You know, guys, when you get to be our age, finding the motivation to get back in shape can be hard. It's just plain tough to find a routine and to stick with it. Good news. FitBod is a fitness app that is anything but routine. It tailors your workouts to fit your life, your goals, your gear, and even your schedule, so you can avoid burnout. And FitBod helps keep up your momentum by mixing in different exercises, reps, supersets, and circuits. Best yet, FitBod has over 1,000 demonstration videos, so you can learn the right way to do each exercise. It's time to ditch the boring routines and kickstart your fitness journey. Add FitBod to your workout essentials. Join today to get your personalized workout plan. Get 25% off your subscription or try the app for free at fitbod.me slash Zabe. That's F-I-T-B-O-D dot M-E slash Zabe. Today on the ZabeCast, what does Virginia's epic loss to UMBC mean in the big picture? And why did it seem somewhat, well, I don't know, meh? Drew Olson, our running mate today, we'll talk about the quality of play in the NCAA. We'll talk about do coaches need to be intense sons of bitches to win it all? And Brewer tribute videos to the Sandlot. All that plus more. If you got 45 minutes to kill, then buckle up and let's go! <laughs> Here we go! Monday, March 19, 2018, thank you for your ears and your data and your download. Welcome to the ZabeCast. we got a short week here, two days on, and then three more days off. Hey, 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 what are you paying for this podcast? Oh, that's right, zero. So take these two episodes, enjoy them. And maybe take a chance to catch up on some back episodes while I am gone. Going to Vegas for my annual Zabe Vegas. And I know you're going to say, well, I thought that was going to be a listener thing this year. Yeah, I said a year ago I was absolutely not going to let it lapse again. And I did. And for that, I apologize. I will make my best efforts once again next year to reignite the listener portion of Zabe Vegas. Otherwise... It is just gonna. It is just going to be my personal twenty third year in a row going out to Vegas during March Madness, either the first weekend or the second weekend. I really need to get better records. I'd like to sort of go back and see what year I started doing this. But I love it. I love the trip. Uh, my guys love the trip as well, and we're all bonding together to make sure that we don't lapse any year. Got to go every year. Even years in which Easter has fallen on that Sunday of the Sweet 16, we have made sure to truncate our trip to be home on Saturday. Because once you let something lapse, you are now in the danger zone. No question about it. It's freezing here in D.C. I think March is going to end up being colder on average than February. And it's dawned on me that March in general, other than the tournament, is a giant wasted month. I just really a worthless freezing month. It is February 2, and spring cannot come soon enough. Technically, the first day of spring is, what, Wednesday, the 21st, maybe Thursday. Uh, we're going to have snow and sleet and slush and who knows what coming down Tuesday into Wednesday here, and it may mess up my flight out to Vegas, and it may prevent me from playing the legendary Shadow Creek, which we've got lined up for the first time, me and the guys, in many years. On Wednesday, 
Again, I can hear the tiniest. I don't. Shh. Hey, can you hear it? It's the world's tiniest violin playing the world's saddest song for an asshole that takes too much vacation already. Nobody cares. Get to the sports, eh, will you? Okay, we'll get to the sports. Let me start with an NFL thing before we get to Drew Olson talking tournament and all the upsets from the first two rounds of the tournament. The NFL is such an unbelievably ruthless gangster league. It never ceases to amaze. The case of one Ryan Grant sticks out. Ryan Grant, as you probably know, was a nondescript third receiver at best for the Washington Redskins, who is coming up on his free agent year after four otherwise anonymous years as a young player out of Tulane. Tulane? Yes. In the NFL. Ryan Grant gets a very nice offer, a very nice contract deal from the Baltimore Ravens, a three-year, $19 million deal, like $11 million guaranteed. And everyone reacted like, huh, what? Really? Who's this guy, Ryan Grant? That lasted all of like 24 hours when all of a sudden after Michael Crabtree suddenly became available after being cut by the Raiders, that the Ravens decided, oh yeah, we're going to fail Ryan Grant in his physical and pretty much submarine the deal. Ryan Grant was never on the injury report all year long. Ryan Grant played in week 17, played the entire game for the Redskins in week 17. Ryan Grant, once the Ravens backed out of this deal, and once Ryan Grant went to the Colts and took a physical for the Colts, he passed their physical. This, if I were a player, if I were the union, would outrage me so much. Even though you could argue, well, it's just one guy and eh, whatever. You know, every team's different. They've got the right. They're paying the money for the for the goods and the services. Oh, no. This is complete bullshit. The, basically, every player in the NFL that comes upon free agency, they have this tiny window that they're very lucky to even get to free agency to finally make a really nice score at the bargaining table. And timing is crucial. If the timing is going to be such the Ravens can sign you to a deal, think about it, and then go, nah, we're going to fail your physical based on some phony baloney excuse, that's dirty dealing. I thought Ryan Grant was horribly overpaid by that deal by the Ravens, but I was happy for him because he's a nice kid. This is total bullshit. And again, where's Demora Smith when you need him? Where's the union to say, you know what, this is another thing that we're going to come after when this CBA is up in three years. This bullshit about failing physicals. No, it's like if you want to sign a guy, you sign a guy. And then you deal with the physical. Or at least have the have everybody take a physical, a league-issued physical. How about that? Not team-issued. The league clears everybody. We have all this time between the end of the Super Bowl and free agency. We have a whole month. There's nothing to do. Everyone who's going to be a free agent, take a physical, have the league do it, and then clear you or don't clear you. So that's number one. Number two, the PSL situation in New York with the Jets is now bringing on a class action lawsuit. This is classic. For years, Phil Mushnick of the New York Post has railed on how Roger Goodell willingly and knowingly said, which he knew had to have been a lie, that PSLs are, quote, a good investment, unquote. Oh, no, no. With the Jets, they're not only not a good investment, they're a terrible investment. They're one of the worst investments ever. The Jets required fans when they built the new stadium to purchase a PSL, which is a 
chunk of money, $4,000, maybe more depending on your seats, a chunk of money, $4,000, to then pay more money for your annual season tickets. This was required for all Jet fans wanting to buy tickets in the lower 100 and 200 section parts of the stadium. Well, guess what? Since the Jets have sucked for a while now, they're lowering that threshold and they're letting people buy in the hundreds and in the 200s without a PSL. So that kind of renders your PSL, your personal seat license that you paid four grand or more for, effectively worthless. Effectively so. Not totally, not absolutely, but in a lot of ways, kind of worthless. So the Jet fans have banded together. There is a class action lawsuit. I would say I hope and I'm I'm hoping and, and thinking the NFL is going to take it in the shorts here, but I'm not stupid. The NFL is not going to take it in the shorts because they seldom ever do. All right, let's get to Drew in the tournament. Is your bracket busted? Well, of course it is. This is the most Bama-ass busted bracket ever after the first two rounds of the tournament. And I'm not complaining because actually the tournament's very interesting now and very unique. But man, if you wanted top seeds and name brands, you are out of luck this year. This is where the DJ talks. Don't say anything. Okay. All right, early Drew this week because I'm on a compressed schedule as I head to Las Vegas on Wednesday morning. Drew Olson joining me from the Big 920 in Milwaukee. What's up, Drew? How are we doing? Are you in shape for Las Vegas? I know you just got back from South Africa and Jamaica, but are you in Vegas shape? Yeah, I'm round. That's my shape. <laughs> round and getting rounder all the time. Um, you know how it is when you're like, all right, fuck it. I got to get in shape. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work on my new diet, my new workout regimen. Right after this big vacation. Well, I've had three big vacations now on the books, spaced two weeks apart. So what do you think my diet has been like? Oh, it's just got to be abysmal. But this it's is a fucking diet. It's been the, this is... okay, all right, I'm back from vacation number one. I got to get it in gear. Uh, we're going to eat flaxseed oil, and we're going to work out three times a day. And we're gonna, and then it's like, nah, because then I'm going to go on vacation, and I'm going to want to eat and not worry about that. So I'll start it after the next vacation. Yeah, this is a danger zone. This is worse for me than the holidays, though, the NCAA tournament, because beer and wings yes. are everywhere. Yes, Bad this food. is like the second holidays to blow off your your promise to get in shape and start eating yes. sensibly. Yes, hardest so, time on the sports calendar, I think, for that. Yes, so you watched most of the games this weekend. You you you, you ate a lot of wings, yeah. you drank a lot of beer. Sure did. And you watched the games out of your own home or in your own home? A uh, little of both. Um, okay. Stately Olson Manor and out at some establishments. Very nice. Now, do you know what I did most of the weekend on Twitter? I killed people for their three TV setups to the point in which they were lining up to be insulted by me on Twitter because they're all proud. They're like, Zabe, I took your advice. I got two extra TVs. Look at my setup. Go ahead. Let me know what you think. And I would find one little thing in the photo. Like one guy, Drew, had a bunch of cat structures, cat scratch posts. Oh, yeah. Cat the, houses. The towers. Cat towers, right. And I just said over, under on cats four and a half <laughs> and i think i was almost right he said he had three cats and one dog oh boy uh, one guy took a picture of his three tvs which were pretty nice but he had like a cable like some charging cable coming out of the back of it that was disconnected and i said how can you stand to watch that with that 
fucking tampon string sticking out from behind your TV. That and is like, awesome. Oh, tampon string. Good one. Because that's what it was. It looked like a tampon <laughs> string. I'm like, okay, even if you even if you don't mind having a random cable hanging out from behind your TV, for the photo that you're going to send to me for my opinion on your setup, you better go and unplug that. Tidy it up in the picture just a little bit. <laughs> you should be on a uh, one of these home network things I on know. a show with a former athlete, and you go in and construct guys' man caves. Well, Tony Siragusa did that yes. show. Was it called Man Caves? Uh, fan like Caves that. or something like okay, that. Okay, whatever the yeah. case. He was on that show, and they did it, and it ran its course. The problem with that, Drew, is let's be honest. All those home shows catered towards women. Women. Yep. Exactly right. It's so, porn for women. Right. Guys will watch. I will watch occasionally and to some degree, but not nearly as much as my wife. My wife, if she could melt HGTV and all of their shows, you know, House Hunters, House Hunters International, uh, Fixer Up, or all yeah. that shit, if she can melt it over a hot flame in a spoon and then inject the syrup into her veins, Drew, yep. she would. Yep. Love it or list it as their porn hub. That's another one, love it or list. They're all so fucking fake, too. You know they're fake. But you watch it like, ooh, which house are they going to choose? Okay, enough jib-jabbery. Let's get to the tournament itself. Yes. We'll start with a big story. Virginia out in the first round. We have finally seen it, a 16 over a 1. Drew Olsen on line 1. Go ahead. What's your take? Underwhelming. Didn't what, you think it would be bigger? Underwhelming? 16 uh, one. Didn't you think it would be bigger? I think we were cheated because it wasn't a buzzer beater. It was because an it was ass a whooping. 20 point ass whooping. A 20 point ass whooping by a 20 point underdog. We were cheated in a way. I mean, Maryland Baltimore County great story. Tip the hat. I have no issue with them. I love their social media. The Twitter guys incredible. Yeah, the Twitter guy got internet famous for 5 hot minutes because he was very sassy on Twitter. Yes. Very sassy. He was fantastic. Hard to be sassy as the operator of a sports Twitter account or a, a franchise Twitter, Twitter account without then getting fired. Because a lot of these guys, Drew, get fired for crossing the line by being too snarky, by doing something that they're like, hey, whoa, hey. Remember yeah. the Dallas Mavericks Twitter guy that got fired because he put a gun emoji Next to a right. Mavericks head emoji. It was not the Mavericks guy. It was the Houston Rockets. The Rockets guy, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Oh, he put a gun emoji next to a horse head emoji. And he got yeah. fired for that. Stepped over the line a little bit. Okay, but didn't right, you so think it would upset. be bigger? Okay, I thought it would be the biggest thing ever. It's not in my top five all-time sports upsets. There's for a number of reasons. First of all, it's Virginia, and it's it speaks to college basketball, the soup that we're in with college basketball. That's a larger topic I'm glad you opened up. It's, Go it's, ahead. It's, what does it say about the state of college basketball? The, the parody in college basketball, we're, I, I could, we could go deeper in, in two hours in this with AAU ball and the way that they, kids play more games now coming up. Before they ever get to college, they play more games in big environments and more, more games, and yet they still suck at executing at the end of games. They still, the quality of basketball isn't that much better. The athletes are better, and maybe the raw skills are better. 
but the actual quality of play is, is not. demonstrably worse. It is, definitely. Hence, massive blown leads like Cincinnati. That's criminal. Exactly. Nevada. What that says is that these kids don't know how to basically execute a basic game plan when they're up by a trillion to not lose. True. So at the smaller schools, the directional schools, the hyphenated schools, where you get guys that the stay four years. Schools. Alphabet schools. Guys stay four years. The upset. So what I've come around to, and I'll, I'll put it in Cliff's notes, the gap in talent between a number one seed and a 16 seed in the, in the tournament has never been smaller. Okay. But the gap between in talent between everybody in college basketball and the NBA, I don't think has ever been wider. Really? Interesting. Yes. I remember when I was a kid, and this stuck with me, when Al, um, Al McGuire, Milwaukee legend, was doing games with Billy Packer and Dick Enberg. Yeah. And at one point during the tournament, it might have been around the Ralph Sampson era. That's how old I am. But it might have been around that era. And he said during a tournament game, he said, if you took the 12th man off an NBA roster and put him on a college team, they'd win the championship. They'd win the <laughs> national championship. Now, I don't think that's any that's true because there are a lot yeah. of scrubs. But if you took the eighth man off an NBA roster and put him on a 500 college team, they go to the Sweet 16. Quite possibly so. Back to your point about why the huge upset by UMBC was not more thrilling. Okay, not, and, and here's it sounds, it sounds like you're saying it didn't it didn't send a tingle up your it, leg. It wasn't the four like minute mile. Once said. No, it wasn't the four minute mile. It wasn't. But it like, was the first time it's ever happened. It wasn't like, North Carolina State against Hakeem and the Jim Valvano game felt like more of an upset than that. Let, did. Now here are the thing though. Here's another thing. Okay, you say oh these no name schools is such great stories Loyola and stuff in Maryland Baltimore County. Let's be truthful. You and I do this for a living. I mean, you live in you live in D.C., so it's unfair. But most people can't name three guys on Virginia's team. No, no, I can't anymore either. No. I, st- I studied and, really hard before the tournament began, and I've now dropped all those names from my memory. So, you, uh, if we take the four number one seeds and we get some hardcore sports fans and say name their starting five, they, they you know they're lucky to get one or two. Yeah, but you're also a pay the players guy. And so I that am cuts against your argument because those guys that those guys that you can't name are interchangeable. There's a river of them that flow through college basketball every year. And it's their yeah. value is zero, Drew. But and that's and that diminished <laughs> the upset to me. And the fact that well, it okay. comes in a year when there there was mass upsets and chokage going on. Yeah, it diminished it. But didn't it? it, it I expected it to feel more like uh, the United States Russia nineteen eighty, and you know, it didn't you're, feel you're, that way. You're on to something here, and I feel you on this because let's say after it was tied at twenty nine at the half. The second half, UMBC comes out, they open up a lead, and then Virginia fights furiously back. They get pissed off, like the champ with a bloody nose, like, all right, well, fuck you guys. And they start throwing haymakers, and all of a sudden it's a game, and it's haymaker, haymaker, shot, shot, shot. And then UMBC wins on a great three-point shot. We are writing ballots and love sonnets to this song True, deep into the future, but because UMBC just kept running away with it, it's a big nothing burger like, God, either UVA sucks and just had a great record that nobody can explain, or college basketball as an entity has never been more mediocre. I, yeah, that, and that's the existential crisis we're in. And he, you're right, had it been a buzzer beater, because I've been in arenas, I've covered NCAA tournament early in round. In which the underdog and starts going and the crowd It's insane. There's swells few up behind things them. in sports yeah. are more exciting than those moments. Almost like when Rocky Balboa in Russia drew. Yeah. Started to rise up and even the Russians started to get behind them. That's right. So <laughs> th- this tournament is, is a mess, the brackets, but it's where we are and okay, it's the competitive balance that remember Bud Selig saying competitive balance and the, the NFL 
They say that their parody and going worst to first is what's great. And is this what's great? People love upsets or do they? People in in the tournament, when it comes to the tournament, people are hypocrites because they love the upsets early. But when it gets down to the Elite Eight, the Final Four, they want the best teams. They want the big names. I don't think there's so much parody. I think it's the overall quality of play is watered down. I well, and I agree so, there. Now, now coaches are just trying to hang on, and they're just well, you know. yeah. There was uh, there was one coach, uh, Stephen F. Austin's coach, said millennials don't watch college basketball. Did you see his rant That's on that? Probably. It was true. sort of old man yells at cloud, but still, he's not necessarily wrong. This uh, was, of course, yeah. after Stephen F. Austin lost in the first round. They're too busy There's, playing Fortnite and, and Madden and okay, right, NBA Fortnite, 2K. Fortnite. I asked my daughter about this. I'm like, what's Fortnite? Because I've seen it in my timeline on Twitter, and I've seen what I think are clips of the game. What, 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 what is it, Drew? Uh, an online game. You know, that's, and what, is it a first-person shooter? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Okay. That's, that's what I've seen. You I have not other... played, but I've seen others play it. I got. I have friends that are addicted to it. So. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. And where can I download it? On my phone? On my iPad? Uh, your I've gaming system? For it? Oh, I've got to have a full gaming system for it. I think, and you can have. I think you can do phone too. I'm not sure. See, I'm not. I'm not that deep. <laughs> no, exactly. I have other things to do. There's too All much right. porn to watch. Let me. Right, and <laughs> they keep making more, which is amazing. It's like every kind that could ever have been made has been made. That's in true. High definition. They keep making more. That was a. I think that was a Louis C.K. bit. Like you could be born now. You could take someone who's born like in the next two minutes, and their entire life they could watch porn and they still wouldn't get to the end <laughs> you ever you ever you ever like go and you see some clip and you're like oh that looks great and then you start watching like oh wait a minute i've seen this chick <laughs> like have you ever stumbled upon repeat porn that would be funny that's a- funny. anyone anyone out there listening email me zabe at yahoo.com let me know <laughs> it's a show have you have you ever mistakenly come upon something you had seen before that at first you forgot that you had already seen it before. Some actress, some scene, some subgenre that you're like, oh, this is going to be great. And then you're like, oh, hey, wait a minute. I've seen it. I've seen, oh, that, I've seen that pizza delivery guy before. Right. <laughs> I've seen that bowling pin thing. God. Okay, so back to the UVA. Okay, loss. back to the. Okay, I got, so I got, I got an alternate. I got an alternate it, thing. By the way, you're gonna have to keep an eye on the clock because I started my clock late. How how, how far are we in right now? Uh, Twelve thirty nine. Okay, all right. Then I'll mark. Okay, good. All right. So back to the thing. Is it possible that Tony Bennett is too fucking nice? Well, he's a class act for sure. People in Wisconsin adopted the Virginia Cavaliers as their team once Wisconsin and Marquette were out. So yes, he's a classy guy. Too nice. I mean, for him to compete against the Dukes uh, 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 and North uh, uh, Carolinas, uh, 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 that's where we're going to stop you. He has to go get those smart now, kids and no, be, is, have no, that program. No, no, that's where I'm going to stop you. Play that style. It, 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 that's the point. Yes, to compete is fine. I'm talking to win the fucking tournament. Don't you have no. to be an intense son of a bitch to basically win it all? I'm thinking of all the coaches, all the greats in college basketball. Every one of them is an intense Son of a bitch. With a few exceptions. I'm thinking Mark Few at Gonzaga, who had a shot last year and came up short in yeah. the title game. I'm thinking Jay Wright at Villanova. Pretty much nice He's guy. Yeah. Everyone else. Brad Mark, Stevens got to the final. Brad Stevens. Nice guy, but he's gone now. But otherwise, 
Krzyzewski, son of a bitch, works the refs <laughs> all the time. Calhoun at UConn back in the day saying, I'm not giving a dime back. You know, what was the take and the handle? Uh, you know, yeah. Bayheim doesn't give two shits about the media. He is such a prick, that guy. Uh, maybe Roy is a semi-nice guy. Patino was a son of a bitch, as evidenced by yeah. all the shit that went on under him. Izzo is a son of a bitch. Bill Self, Nick Saban. Is Bill Self a nice guy, or is he a son of Seems a bitch? Seems like it. I mean, but... Calipari's a son of a bitch, isn't he? Well, He's intense, right? Yeah. Media so maybe, savvy, but intense. Maybe, maybe there is something to the fact that nice guys in the tournament. Like, shouldn't, shouldn't um, you know, Virginia's coach have thrown a chair through a window at halftime and screamed, you motherfuckers, you're, you're losing to these scrappy assholes? Look at these guys. They look like an intramural team. I'm embarrassed. If you don't go win by 20, you suck. Yeah. I guess that's not his style. I, I don't know. I mean, how do you know he didn't take some paint off the walls behind closed doors? Because his father was known to light guys up at halftime okay. and to swear during, but not uh, publicly. Ryan. But wasn't Bo Ryan an intense son of a bitch? Intense, absolutely. I mean, I, you have to be intense, though, to have that drive. And to, I mean, what were they, 31-2? and two? Regular season. You don't get there being nice. How about the fact that we had another bracket completely collapse? Like, I, I don't want to make this joke, but like that stu- Florida bridge collapse, horrible situation down there. Oh, but yeah. Look at the south bracket, a 9, a 5, an 11, and a 7. That's another indicator. By the way, it's never happened before where all four seeds That's true. fail to get out of a sub-regional. That's another and indication the game is just watered-down shit right now. The talent is spread out more, and it, I, I put it partly on TV because every conference can recruit and say, hey, we're on TV every game, because they are. You know, it used to be, oh, we had to go to the certain schools to get on TV. Big Monday in the Big East was the shit, you know? Okay. And, those, and that's how you got to know those guys, watching them over years. Like, you look back now, and it seemed like Chris Mullen and those guys were in college for 10 years because you watched them so much. Right. And you got yeah. to identify with them. Now everybody's, you're right, it's transient, they're interchangeable. It's just not the same bond also, with the players. Also talking about end-of-game situations, I mean – this happens, plenty of examples. I'll just give you one that I saw late Sunday night. Number one seed Xavier against Florida State. Florida State and Leonard Hamilton has always been the most milk toast of tournament entry seeds ever. They have a bunch of guys who are really athletic, and you can't distinguish one from the other. Leonard Hamilton is no great X and O mastermind. And there they were, down 12, and Xavier lets them back in the game. And then with the game on the line, in an in a even game, they get three of the worst possessions I've ever seen. You had Trayvon Blewett dribble it off his knee and get stripped. You then had Blewett slip on like an awkward sort of reverse pivot in the middle of the lane and shoot an air ball. And then they set up a screen and roll to their lurchy seven-footer who's a lefty shot that airballed from 19 feet out straight away. That's an example of yep. here's a number one seed with every option. They've got all kinds of options, and they couldn't run a decent play for a decent look at all to save their life when the game was on the line. It's become, and that's why, that's the AAU thing. It's become hero ball. I guess so. Where the guy, they just I, I'm going to make this shot. Yeah, or, or during the regular season or during the normal course of the game, they know how to play a possession and say, okay, we're going to dump it down here. We're going to screen high. You're going to go weak side, and then we're going to either have an open three or a layup. They can do that except for when it gets tight. That's right. But I guess that differentiates all tournament or championship teams, those that can operate their offense and get a good look in in the clutch, in clutch under pressure, yeah. versus just during it the regular season. So Xavier, uh, Virginia, Cincinnati, Michigan State, North Carolina, Arizona, 
which loss was more disgraceful? Let's rank them. <laughs> no, it's, they were all Arizona's, bad. Arizona's was brutal. Bad. No question about that. I think Cincinnati's and, choke job. Let's see. Virginia's one. Cincinnati's choke is two. Xavier. Xavier might be three. Uh, Arizona's four. No, I'd put Arizona. Carolina was historic. They've never lost by that much in a tournament. <laughs> Carolina's got the doors blown off. Them. They did. See, I, they were all abysmal, and it's, it's all ter- disgraceful losses for their programs and for where they were. And it just, again, speaks to the, the difference in talent isn't as great as it once was. And I don't know, just the whole product isn't as good. Now, the games are compelling, and it's still awesome, and it's fun to follow brackets, and, the, and, great. and that's still fun. It's the competition, though. You watch the Little League World Series, and you're not comparing it to, you know, Yankees, Red Sox. Yeah. You you watch it because the competition's compelling, but I watch it and say, "Damn, man! Can anybody play this game?" There are there are four Tiffany franchises left in this tournament. There, uh, three of them are on one side of the yeah, bracket. and and Villanova, Kansas, Duke, and then Kentucky on the other side. Kentucky for sure. Otherwise, and Kentucky's got now has a gilded path to the Final Four into the championship game. Should uh, they? They do. So should they uh, choose to use it? We'll see if they can capitalize. But then I was thinking about that too. They can lose with, to K State. Oh yeah, easily. With, with a team like Michigan now, Michigan's going to play Texas A&M, which just played its best. It, it might be twenty years before A&M plays a game that good. Refractory again. period. Refractory yes, refractory period. period. They're, they're going to be in the refractory <laughs> period. And they, so Michigan now benefits, right? Okay. And not for nothing, because I happen to be at a station that airs Badger games, and we follow the Big Ten closely in these parts. Uh, yes. Two teams in the Sweet Sixteen for the streak is several. It's the longest streak going, where they have multiple teams in the Sweet Sixteen. And it speaks to what the hell Wisconsin just did with their run of 19th straight tournament bursts yeah. and Sweet 16 appearances in a row. It's pretty spectacular. All right, so who do you like now? Now oh, that we're shit. down to the Sweet 16. Well, now that like I'm three taking, of the teams I'm, I'm, I had in the Final Four lost yesterday as prohibitive favorites, so fuck me. <laughs> what, the, what do I know about this tournament? Well, pick it now, Drew. But Come now... I, I got Villanova. Uh, yes, they're playing phenomenal, and okay. they look great. And the fact that Kentucky can squeeze in. But then somebody like a, a Michigan or somebody like that is going to slip through and get to the Final Four and have a chance. So it's wide open. My dream Final Four. Well, and it's unfortunate because the Midwest has all brand names, Kansas, Clemson, Syracuse, Duke. But my dream Final Four would be Loyola, Gonzaga, West Virginia, <laughs> And then somebody from the Midwest. I want the scruffiest, scrappiest, <laughs> weirdest Final Four you've ever seen. That would be awesome. Uh, this tournament other, deserves it. On to other topics in the NCAA. Did you see where the uh, there was a guy for Fox Sports Tennessee that motherfucked uh, Sister Mary Jean? Or didn't motherfuck her, but said, fuck Sister Jean. Because Tennessee was getting beaten by Loyola of Chicago. And he tweeted out. Fuck Sister Mary Jean, I think it was. And people were quick to rush in and try to get him fired by adding his employer, which was in his bio on Twitter. I don't know if he's been fired for that or not, but it's just one of those things where you're like, okay, here we go. Everyone's caping up for the 98-year-old nun, which you don't know her either, but you're like, somebody said something mean on the internet. I'm going to try to get him fired. I remember uh, Dana Jacobson was doing sideline reporting on this tournament. 
at one point. And didn't yeah. Dana Jacobson swill some vodka at a Mike Golick party and say, F Notre Dame and F Jesus? <laughs> yeah, I think so. At the podium? But that was not on Twitter, Drew. Oops, that was, yeah. Twitter that was probably is now pre-Twitter. the highest form of speech in the country, apparently, where oh. everything you say on Twitter is like, oh my God. Yeah, people are taking shots at the nun and, you know. So, <laughs> How can so you? just as a rule, you can't. Who can you motherfucking get away with it in today's society? Um, it has to be a man. Has right? to be a man. Has you to be a, a coach. Has to be a successful man. It's almost like you can't motherfuck any woman if you're a man in today's hashtag Me Too society, right? True. Okay, so you better keep it to a man. He can't be over seventy. Is that um, the cutoff age? No, I think you can still. You know, you think you can motherfuck a guy over seventy? I think you can. Over eighty. Eh, then you're over ninety. Well, you know, nine. What's the point? They're not that relevant. I mean, yeah, but but here's the thing. True, guys over eighty and ninety can also be assholes. They can be the biggest assholes around. They can be the park in three spots, take forever in line at the soup counter. Assholes, no doubt. Okay. Um, And then obviously, uh, anyone who who is religious, even if you think they're fake religious, you really can't touch them, right? Yeah, that's that's a third rail. Okay. Speaking of uh, fake religious, I was laughing. There was a story about your old friend Bruce Pearl, former UWM head coach. Yeah. A uh, guy who'd crawled back from the wilderness of a show cause after the Tennessee days, three years out of basketball. He was, like, selling cars or something. He's now the head coach at Auburn, obviously. They got drilled yesterday. But he did this interview with the Washington Post in which he talked about how he was helping kids and recruits find Jesus. And they're like, but you're Jewish. Jewish. And he's like, well, you know, we're all worshiping the same God, really. It's just how we choose to go about it. And he put on this great act, and I emailed the article to Andy Poland, my Jewish brother from another mother, and I said, look at this guy. And he read the article, he got back to me, he goes, yeah, yeah, Jews, Jesus, whatever it takes to get the five-star recruit. (laughs) He said, Bruce Pearl, total scam artist, quote, bad for our people. (laughs) He's... He's coaching in Alabama. What are you? What's he supposed to do? A Jew in Alabama. Exactly. I mean, you know. You know, he's doing what he's got to do, I guess. uh, Yeah. So, and it's funny, too, because um, there was talk that he might leave. I saw a story like, you know, Pearl wants to stay at Auburn. You know, okay. Yeah. Well, they got, they've got the, they're they're wrapped up in the FBI thing as well. Exactly. They they pre-suspended two of their better players to begin the season out of an abundance of caution, but they say that those guys will end up being vindicated. It'll be back next year. We'll see about that. If I'm not mistaken, isn't everybody that was touched by that now out of the tournament as we go to the second weekend? yeah, and imagine being Sean Miller. Mm -hmm. You fucking lose in the first round, and then you've got to go home to an FBI investigation. Yeah. And you've got to go home to a recruiting class that left. Every one of the recruits for next year left. Yep. um, So if nationally our friends listening in in the SEC country, if... Pearl stays. Yeah. Buy popcorn when Georgia plays Auburn. Because, because Tom Crean and Bruce Pearl were in Milwaukee oh, at the same time and they don't they don't particularly right. get along. Crean didn't play UWM then and uh So what do you think? And what Pearl think? got a lot of like, you know, was Pearl was he was hosting radio shows. I know. Like he's a he's a promoter, man. He's he's a little promoter. Don P- King of basketball. PT <laughs> Pearl, baby. And I Next. love Bruce Pearl. I mean personally. I love Pearl too. Hard not to like him, but yeah. But that said, uh, but yeah, that that buy popcorn for those games. So, how do you feel about Crean? By the way, I always had good dealings with him. I've heard other people have problems. I he always treated me on the what up you, and up. What do you think of him as a coach? Um, I think he's he's another one of these guys that 
what is a coach and how do we judge them? Because you got to get the players, and, and then, then you, you got to coach them, and they're running in the right two direction. Completely different, yeah. I think, skill sets. Yeah, I know this. I have uh, an Indiana buddy, uh, Indiana Ronnie, who was at the Big Ten tournament last year, two years ago, at the Verizon Center. And as Tom Crean was walking off the court after another defeat, his last game as head coach at Indiana, Ron yells at him, thanks for ruining Indiana basketball. Oh, come on. And Crean stops, turns, and starts pointing, looking for him. I think Ron got kicked out of the building for that. Of course, what did Indiana do this year? Nothing. They suck. Well, exactly. And uh, and Archie Miller's probably in way over his head. And you, you Indiana fans, where was the program when Crean took it over? Because Kelvin Sampson had, you That's, know, yeah, there you go. Yeah, th- I and mean, who's back in the tournament now with another team? I, I Kelvin Sampson. Crean can coach, and and this is where you go. Oh well, Crean can't coach close games, and that's what his detractors will say. Well, John Beeline's a genius because that kid hit an unbelievable three pointer. Yeah, Jordan Poole hit a three. Who's also from Milwaukee, by the way. There you go. Um, yeah, he hit a three pointer, and so all you know, it's the it's that old. Uh, you know, Jim Kelly and the Bills were chokers because Norwood missed a field goal that would have given him a Super Bowl. All right, here's our stat of the day, Drew. Back up for this one. It's a good stat. I like this stat. Stat of the day. The stat is zero, Drew. That is the number of brackets on ESPN out of 17.3 million that got all 16 Sweet 16 teams correct. Behold, your stat of the day. Zero. Zero. Remind me why do I bother to fill out a bracket every year? It's the dumbest thing ever. Can you promise me, Drew, you'll say to me a week before Selection Sunday? I will remind you on say, the Zabecast. Hey, Zabe, you're not going you to fill out a bracket this year, are you? And I'll be like, oh, but I'm all excited. I like it. It's fun. No, it's stupid is what it is. <laughs> it is. It's, is it as dumb as fantasy football? It's up there. It's, it's a shorter window, but it's up there. I guess there's some people that have pretty decent brackets that might have picked Loyola of Chicago through to the Sweet 16, might have had Nevada, might have had Texas A&M. Yeah, but Who that, knows? that's South Regional. Come on. I know. Also, the number of uh, brackets that got just 15 of 16 correct is three. Three out of 17.3 million. million. Wow. Meanwhile, ESPN reports that the number of brackets that got all 16 Sweet 16 teams wrong is 62,559. Woo! Ofer. So it's it's easier to go Ofer by a long margin than it is to go perfect. Go figure. Okay, let's change up to other topics. NFL free agency. I guess the big news of the weekend was the Jets trading three second-rounders to move up three spots from six to three to um, almost certainly pick one of the top quarterbacks in this year's draft. Your thoughts? Well, since they couldn't throw enough cash to get your former quarterback, Kirk Cousins, um, desperation set in. It'll it'll end up being a shrewd business move because they're the Jets. Their history is littered with shrewd business moves. (laughs) So they've got Teddy Bridgewater on a one-year deal. They got Josh McCown at 39 years old on a one-year deal. They got Christian Hackenberg, who they took in the second round and has never made a start, and now they're going to go and draft a guy third overall. They want one of the top guys, yeah. it's. I think the Jets are doing it the way I said some teams should think about it, which is to throw brute force and numbers at the quarterback problem on your team so that the Browns should draft quarterback one 
and they should draft another quarterback four and just let them fight it out and say, all right, so we're duplicating a little bit, but we're going to absolutely get one of the best quarterbacks in the draft. That is not – your your logic isn't flawed there. You might really? as well. I mean – I'm kind of kidding on Well, that. you might as well. I mean, if you don't have a quarterback, you don't have anything in the league. So find that guy. Who do you think is going to be the – do you have any opinions on who's going to be the best quarterback of this group of four that are supposed to be first-round talents? Uh, I like Rosen. You like Rosen, Rosen? Yep, Rosen, Rosen to me. <laughs> uh, more than Josh Allen, who apparently, according to his agent, can throw the ball ninety yards in the air. Ninety. Yeah, well, if that was uh, if that was an, any indicator of success, you know, <laughs> that, who is the there's a lot of pitchers who can throw a hundred that can't get anybody out and can't can't pitch. So. Who was the outfielder for the Brewers that supposedly could throw it through a tank that we used to mock back in the day? Wasn't it a Brewer outfielder or maybe a Cub outfielder? Uh, someone was bragging about his arm strength. He could throw it through a tank. Yeah, like, no. yeah. well, that doesn't necessarily matter if you're missing the cutoff guy. Yeah, I don't think there are tanks on the field, so it's not really going to come up. Okay. They're the Jets. But, I mean, the, the thing about the Jets is that you know, pretty soon the Browns look like they're getting their shit together. And pretty, you know, the, the Jets, it's almost like the Jets and Browns exist to make each other feel better about themselves. They really are the furthest planets from the NFL sun. But the Browns, life, the Browns might be exists. figuring it out. Oh, they yeah, just need a new coach and a quarterback. Uh, your thoughts on the uh, Packers and whatever they're doing? Uh, well, Jordy Nelson leaving, people are finally coming to grips with it, and they're starting to say, hey, we might be better with Jimmy Graham than we would be with Jordy Nelson. Jordy Nelson will be an interesting test case in Oakland as people watch him. I know, there, uh, you know people here are sense, stunned. I was going to say, is there any sense that some fans are like, hey, man, he should have come back here at a cheaper rate because he should know it's better to be here with Rogers. That's there was a lot of that Derek Carr. There was a lot of that. And then it, it came out that the, the Packers did lowball him. They offered him basically the veteran minimum, which is like a million dollars. Jesus. And then, but people are like, well, if they would have offered him half, he would have come back. Like, no, you don't understand how this works. <laughs> it's what a, that's an what F a, you to a guy who's been, you know, a 10 year veteran who thinks he still can play like, Hey, we're going to cut your salary in half. And I, I tell people, what do you, what if your job said, Hey, we're going to cut your salary in half. See you Monday. Like, you know, <laughs> fuck you. Right. At some <laughs> point, your pride just says, I, I can't do this. Yes. I can't look at my boss in the face, but it's green and gold and we love him. And he jumps in the yeah. stands with us and he's great in the community and everybody loves him in the locker room. And that, that doesn't matter. That goes out by the boards. Everybody will get over it. By the way, it doesn't mean that the Packers will be right on this because Jordan, no. Jordan could have a bomb season. Well, even if he does. Go, and you might go, God damn, we should have just splurged they, for whatever he was going to cost for one more year. They've determined that he can't play anymore, that he's lost he, He's lost his fastball, his, the deep threat. He can't get separation. Okay. His yards after the catch last year were minuscule, like 100 really? yards. Okay. Like 100 yards after the catch and 50 catches. There was nothing there. But you're grading off of Hundley. Well, for, half, most, for most of the season. And and the, what he did with Rodgers was catch balls in the red zone, which allegedly Jimmy Graham is one of the best at. So, Right, because catching balls in the red zone is easy until you have nobody who can do it. And then you're like, fuck, we need a guy that can catch yeah. a red ball so, in the red zone. It, it's really interesting. A lot of gnashing of teeth. Um, and you know the fact is they still need a cornerback. So, And the, the cornerback, yeah, cornerbacks are us. The store is barren. Um, it's a division of Toys R Us. They're folding. Yeah. There's nothing. There's nobody left anymore for them to get. So it'll be interesting to see. But yeah, it, that that one uh, ruffled a lot of feathers here. 
Didn't go over that well. And that's free agency. If you And Packers fans, be careful what you wish for because they've been saying for years, oh, if only we were going and getting free agents. If your team's going and getting a bunch of free agents, it's because you suck. <laughs> and it usually doesn't work. It's free right. agency in the NFL. We said it last week. It's a mirage. You drink the sand. Yeah, Almost never works. They never turn out to be pro bowlers. You end up just waiting to get rid of the guy. Right now, the Redskins are kicking the tires on this guy, Jonathan Hank. It's a D-tackle that the Colts signed off the Giants to a three-year deal last year. He lasted one year in the culture, like, nah, throw him back in the water. And now we're like, ooh, he'd be great. And look, he's a great run stopper, and he's 325, and, you know, he could do this. And I'm like, yeah, but the Colts just said, we don't want him. Of all franchises, shouldn't Redskins fans know that you drink we the sand? Be. I know. Hainsworth. I, know. Oh, you, the, you, I don't have to tell you. The road is littered. I know. It's it. but, but as a sports talk host, I feel obligated to dance the dance and play the game. I feel like if I just go on the radio and go, listen, there's a reason he's available. The Colts don't think much of him. So we're not going to get oh, anything yeah. great out of him. He'll be a rotational guy. And yeah, and we can afford him at $4 million or whatever his number is, but it's not going to make a difference. Then I feel like I'm not doing my job somehow. Yeah, the um, the, the Packers thing, though, they just their recent track record of getting rid of guys isn't great because Micah Hyde and Casey Hayward – exited and went on to play pretty well at positions where they have needs. So, not good. Okay, Uh, real quick, uh, on the baseball front, nothing major is happening in spring training because, well, they're just training to play a long baseball season. But you came across, I saw this, you tweeted this, the Brewers put out a Legends video. The Brewers um, reenacted the movie The Sandlot with casting that is incredible. Um, And if you haven't seen it yet, go to the Brewers social media, uh, Brewers on Twitter, um, you know, brewers.com. Um, How bad is it, Drew, if I haven't seen The Sandlot? Um, egregious, right? Egregious, yes, I would okay. say. I mean, it's funny because I've seen The Sand- Sandlot and I've seen five minutes of Space Jam and millennials tell me Space Jam is the gone with the wind of sports kids' <laughs> movies. And I just <laughs> never gave a shit to watch it because, right. you know. But The uh, Sandlot, I think, is better. Sandlot's one of the better baseball movies. I actually, I, I, I rankle people by telling them I like The Sandlot better than Field of Dreams, which I think is a piece of shit. Do you do that to troll people? No, I actually believe Field of Dreams is a piece <laughs> a of shit. I can't. It's a. I turn it off. I can't. I won't watch it. It's. And, but you're a baseball guy. I'm, no, I don't give a shit. It's badly did done. You see, like a month ago, someone like did quote damage to the Field of Dreams field in Dyersville. I did see that. Yeah, yeah they did donuts and and they're like knocked over a bleacher and they're like they did several thousand dollars of damage. There's a GoFundMe site set up to repair it. I'm like GoFundMe. <laughs> There's a fucking tire track in the dirt out there. It'll be fine come April. Relax. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Okay, so anyway. That wasn't so me, Brewers... by the way. I got an alibi. I didn't do it. <laughs> I just don't like the movie. Where were you on the night of? <laughs> I just don't like the movie. So the Brewers yeah. video. It's spot on. the Sandlot. Yeah. Who are the Brewer legends in it? All right, well, so, well, no, it's it's current Brewers recreating oh, okay. the movie. And, like, Benny the Jet is one of the guys in the movie, like the star player of the movie and Kristen Yelich what makes it great is the casting and like the costuming and the fact that they got a handful of major league players to do this and it couldn't have, you know it wasn't the, the video is two and a half minutes it probably took a couple hours and the fact that they had these players do it it's a new standard in team produced cool social media and it's going to be viral and everybody who right. loves the sandlot loves this video and the take on it I just think it's cool that they did it cool I will definitely Makes the Brewers infinitely more infinitely more likable. I think people will, if you have no opinion of the Brewers, you'd be like, oh, those guys are cool. Damn, I want to watch those guys. I want them to win. Yeah. And on golf, you're a famous golf troll about the imminent demise oh, of the, the sport. Oh, the, the, the aging of the fan base. But, but 
I'm a Tiger fan, and Tiger is good for business, and having Tiger in the hunt is amazing. Yes. Did you you watch a little bit on? I did. I did. I saw him. I saw him jack that ball out of bounds when when he was making his Tiger Sunday charge. (laughs) He got a little too torqued up, too hormonal there. Yeah, I testosterone was tell- spiked on that one. I was telling my golf buddies, I go, when was the last time you saw a guy on the PGA Tour on Sunday on TV hit a ball out of bounds? Like, oh, tour pros don't hit balls out of bounds. But Tiger did. Tiger's got a miss in there that is an absolute, It's a. It's. I call it it's like a snake in a pillowcase. Like me and my amateur buddies, we talk about how you start to get really scared of every tee shot, Drew because there's one bad miss in your repertoire with your driver yep. in which you're going to take an X on a hole. And we liken it to imagine a pillowcase with 10 rubber snakes in it and one real snake. And what you have to do on a drive is to thrust your hand in and grab one of the rubber snakes and pull it out. Not that hard, right? Yeah. But all it takes is grabbing that real one. snake once and getting now bit on the hand that you start getting very tentative when you're reaching into the bag of snakes. And that's what Tiger has. Rory was playing video game golf. If Tiger did what Rory did, you'd have a holiday today. Nobody would come into work. There would be sonnets yeah. and love ballads. But- but when when anyone else does it because they're not they don't pimp it as much as Tiger. Tiger's no. the greatest at pimping he, his own good shots you've ever seen. Still moves strutting, the needle though. Yes, yeah, strutting pumping. and the char- charisma because it takes everybody back to, to the nostalgic times when he was dominating. He's forty two years old for Christ's sake. I know, but Rory shot sixty fucking four, partied five of the last six holes, and it's like it will barely register today and, on the needle. And that's where Tiger does. Tiger have it in him to throw up a sixty-five on Sunday or something. Maybe. Can he do it? I mean, it looks like he's almost all the way back. He had me watching the Valspar Championship for Christ's yes, sake. You know, I never would have watched that. Right. Well, and, you, and you're, I, I, I admit, I but I like golf, and I'll watch. I'm mostly a major shopper. I'll, I'll, I'll mostly check in the majors, but I'll, I'll tune in if there's nothing on. Especially this time of year when it's my my lawn is brown. I, I like to see. Green grass, of course. You know it's therapeutic for me. It's very zen-like, but I'll watch it. But I appreciate Rory and those guys, and the fields are awesome. And for him to come back would be the story. I root for the story for him to come yeah. back and win a major and to win a couple tournaments would be the story. And he can moves I, the can needle. I, can I interest you in the excitement of Bryson DeChambeau? Yeah, no. <laughs> Sorry, no. I can't do it. No, but the idea of this Masters is going to be fantastic because he's back. Okay, Mickelson's won this year, ding. Now Rory's won this year, ding. Justin Thomas has won this year, ding. Bubba Watson, ding. Jason Day has won, ding. Dustin Johnson has won, ding. This is going to be one of the most bananas Masters we have ever had. Can't wait, and I love watching the Masters. And you can't deny that Tiger moves the needle and makes golf more exciting, so he's great for business. Who's denying that, Drew? Well, I'm just saying, this is, for your sport, it's a, yes, because without him. I'm you because you're a Tiger-only tourist. Well, without him, the game was, the the game was coughing and wheezing without him. It was not coughing and wheezing. It was coughing, ratings, coughing and wheezing. TV TV ratings, ratings, coughing and wheezing. And that's how we judge everything. No, the sport is more than TV ratings, but that's fine. But, you know, Top Golf is helping, but not helping. We can talk. We can do a whole show on that too. Top golf helping, but not helping. Yes, top golf people. Hey, it's it's golf. People are into it. It's like yeah, but they're not going to go play six hour eighteen millennials in six hours. If baseball's too fucking long at three hours, 
golf at six hours is not going to happen either for millennials. Well, four and a half to five. Though. Well, it's not exactly. Yeah, you hope. Okay, let's <laughs> let's get to fuck that guy. <laughs> I'm not a good guy. I'm the guy. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. For today's installment of Fuck That Guy, Drew Olson, who do you nominate? All right, uh, this is gonna this is gonna rankle you. I'm going with Rory. <laughs> oh boy! All right. They were yelling stuff about my wife. We should stop selling booze at golf tournaments. <laughs> Imagine this: an Irishman. <laughs> On St. Patrick's Day itself, suggesting <laughs> any limitations on booze. Oh, that is rich. Let's go prohibition. I'm the other side of this. I think golf fans like and tennis players, fuck your silence. Let's have let's make it all the waste management open. Let's rock the joint. Let's make these guys perform when people are, you know, make them tune it out like guys at a basketball shooting a free throw. Okay, Fuck so it. full let's, heel. Let's go full heel. With let the crowds make all the noise they want. You got to block it out, man. Because if if that, it'd be easier to focus than on one guy clearing his throat while you're in your what backswing. If, all right, but what if the guy was literally being, well, literally being abusive, saying. The, I like to fuck your wife, Rory. Fuck, She's hot. F- fuck would that you, guy. Would you draw the line on that? The Mount least? Rushmore of fuck that guy is people who do stuff like that. You know, okay. fans who go over the line. But the suggestion that we should stop selling beer because one guy was yelling about my wife. But on, Drew, dude. you do know that Major League Baseball has a beer cutoff point of the seventh inning. That's true. Just like in hockey and basketball, there's cutoff points where that's it. No more beer. Like, I love when a, a hockey game in the playoffs goes to deep, deep overtime and the concession stands have been closed forever oh, and you're tough. dying. Your buzz is wearing off. You're like, God, this sucks. That is tough. All right. No doubt. Uh, but yeah, I'm, yeah. Rory, Rory, come on. I, dude. An Irishman. Irishman calling on for prohibition. St. Patty's, Patty's Day. Yeah. Oh, that is. Uh, you mocking me. Oh, that is rich. Oh, that is. Oh, that is rich. You, Rory. All right. My fuck that guy this week goes to one Teddy TV Valentine, longtime oh. Big Ten referee. Teddy earlier this year in college basketball was the subject of a lot of attention after he turned his back on North Carolina's Joel Berry. After Barry was just asking him about a foul. He wasn't yelling at Teddy Valentine. He was like, how was that a foul? And TV Teddy, always dramatic, always flamboyant, literally turned his back and folded his arms like, nope, I'm not talking to you. Well, he got no assignments, Drew, did Teddy Valentine for the NCAA tournament, which is a rarity because he's always one of the better referees, even if he is a dick about it. And after he got no assignments, he came out and he was wailing publicly like, this is wrong. I made it right on that situation with Joel Berry. I don't know why I should be, you know, punished like this. Hey, guess what, Teddy? Fuck you. Don't be such. This is a good lesson. You're still going to be a referee in college basketball. You'll get assignments next year, but things have consequences. You acted like a childish dick, so take your medicine and deal with it. Teddy Valentine, fuck that guy. I right, love Drew. that because he made me almost he made me side with the NCAA, which I hate to do. I know. <laughs> All right, Drew, good to talk to you as always. Follow Drew on Twitter at Drew Olson MKE. Beautiful. All right, Drew, we'll talk next week. Thanks, you bet, buddy. man. Have fun in Vegas. Let's finish on this today: the bridge collapse in Miami that killed six people, I believe, and injured scores other is just awful. 
There's nothing more that can be said about it. Well, there is more that can be said about it, but the net-net is, holy shit, imagine getting crushed by a newly erected pedestrian bridge that weighs a million pounds or thereabouts just sitting at a stoplight. It's awful. It's unbelievable. It's something that really doesn't happen in America. And in a way, it kind of makes you appreciate our building codes and our inspection process and everything else. This just doesn't happen. There was, there have been bridge collapses that have been fatal. Uh, there was that one famously up in Minnesota, I want to say, a number of years back, in which uh, people died. But at least in bridges like that, they've been around for years and years. And in places like Minnesota, they are subjected to the harsh elements and rust and and you know the crumbling infrastructure we keep hearing about all the time. That's a case of, okay, they waited too long and they didn't do what was needed to shore up the bridge. This was a case of they built the bridge shitty and it didn't last more than five days. And to make it even worse was that a phone call was made by one of the engineers reporting cracks in the concrete structure of this bridge, and it was left on a voicemail just days before the fatal accident. Man, can you imagine one of your loved ones dying after a voicemail was not picked up from an engineer going, yeah, there's some cracks there. uh, I might want to look at that. Now, authorities are quick to say, well, just because there's cracks doesn't necessarily mean that the bridge was unstable. But in this case, it was. Absolutely horrific. And they built the bridge at a cost of $14 million because a young student had died trying to cross what was a hellacious six lanes of Frogger-like traffic down there near Florida International University. So in an effort to spend money and to make people safer, they ended up killing more people. And I don't know what you can say. It just makes you appreciate that this is so rare in America that it becomes a big headline. Let's hope it doesn't happen again. That'll do it for me today. Thank you for listening. You know the drill. Tell two friends. Tell your next Uber driver. Leave a positive review. Download, subscribe at all the major podcast outlets, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and more. And don't forget, as Mr. X reminds us all the time, winning is nice. Getting paid? Even nicer. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time.